0: This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. We know that after that road trip and without the last two, we're not really happy, so it's a bit big talk about making sure that
1: we don't shoot ourselves on our own foot during those three games, and I thought that that's a good sign for the rest. I think it's um, understanding that uh, with our system we do can beat anybody, so we just have to, to trust it, and, uh, and we don't have to try to create stuff out of nothing. We can just
0: stick with the system and eventually pay off. Three tough teams to play in this league. Big, strong, fast playoff teams, and our guys handled it well, and the one thing, if there was a little bit of worry, was after a big win against the Bruins and and, uh, you know, our impending break how we were going to handle the game and where we're going to look past it and uh, they didn't and and got the points we needed and makes for
1: uh, especially for the staff a a better break. Heck yeah. Tell you what though that's a long break. I was just thinking about it. I mean, my goodness. (laughs) What? Nine days? Good Mm -hmm. for them. You know, there's that narrative, well, the Lightning played a lot of hockey over the last couple of years, so this will help. You know, I I could buy that for sure, but that is a long time to be away. I wonder if the coaching staff gets a little uneasy being away from the rink from the standpoint of, of games compared to other points in the season. But then again, partner, and it is Power Lunch on Lightning Radio, Greg Linnelli along with you, Dave Michigan, and Steve Erstick as well. Then again, I think that's part of having a veteran team, you would think. Partner, the, the ability to navigate the waters with that much time off, if it's a veteran team, you feel a, a bit better about it than if it was just a, a young team who's doing this maybe for the first time.
0: Well, I think every team in the league is going to go through it because teams have their bye weeks leading up to or after the All-Star break. Yeah. Unless I'm mistaken, every one of the 32 teams is getting its bye week basically now or later this week through the all-star break and then on the other side of the all-star break so i don't think it's uncommon for teams to get whatever it is seven eight nine days off depending on when their last game is you you maybe think about well what's it going to look like when they return so their first game back is against the panthers on monday that'll be the first game back for both teams so the panthers are running on a similar timeline as far as their break. And then the Lightning come right back home the next night and host San Jose. That is San Jose's first game. So you might say, oh, the Lightning are playing a back-to-back against a very, very rested opponent. But I wonder if San Jose is going to worry about that a little bit too in that they haven't played, right? And they're going to be taking on a team that does have a game under
1: its belt. Yep, I think it's fair. And I think the Lightning... Probably most of the guys. I mean, they're not going to get out of shape. These guys all do what they have to do to stay in shape. But I, I do think for some of the players who have been banged up a little bit, this will come at a good time. And, look, there's going to be a lot of hockey to be played, too. I mean, what were the numbers when we were looking at it? Basically, it's it's every other day from, what, late March or late February? Maybe early March? I mean, it's there's a lot of four four games per week a lot mm-hmm. of back-to-backs i mean there is a lot yeah of hockey, there are you know they
0: have quite a few saturday sunday back-to-back some of them are both at home and then they have yeah. the game added in buffalo which is going to create an additional back-to-back but those are two afternoon games right look i think that that's fairly common as well for most teams i know that the trip the lightning have upcoming so they basically have two long trips left greg one of them is distance-wise far where they do the Dallas, Colorado, Arizona, Vegas in mid-February. Right. And then they one near the end of the year where they hit Montreal, Ottawa, Boston, Carolina. Four yeah. four game trips for both same number of days the way. Obviously the one out to Dallas and Colorado, etc., ending in Vegas is is farther as far as distance is concerned. But on both of those trips the lightning have a stretch of two days with no game. In fact, on the the Dallas trip, there are two stretches of two days without a game. <laughs> I think they go like Saturday afternoon, then the next day Super Bowl Sunday. I just saw the you are staying in Dallas, which is interesting. I know we'll get into this when when that trip uh arrives, but I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna quickly mention it here because the next stop is Colorado, and we talked about like adjusting to altitude. I wonder if some of it's Super Bowl Sunday and some of it's wanting to get into Denver not too early. So it's Saturday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday. That's the trip. So it's not every other day. There is a back-to-back in there. So in the Stanley Cup final last year, remember we were wondering like at what point does the altitude really kind of wear on you as a visitor? Is it they're earlier, like if you're there for four or five days. Is it there earlier or is it there later? And certainly based on how the Lightning looked in game two, a game in which they were blown out, Maybe they, they had didn't... way yeah. less energy in that game. As opposed to game one, which was played shortly after they arrived. So I wonder if... So the game is Wednesday in Denver. The Lightning play Saturday afternoon in Dallas. They don't go to Denver until basically... What did I say? Wednesday? It's Tuesday, yeah. right? Yeah, so yeah. they have Sunday and Monday off. They're getting to Denver Monday night. They're getting to Denver basically less than 24 hours or about 24 hours before they play the Avalanche. And then they're getting right out of Denver. Not a guarantee of success, but I wonder if some of what happened last year is, is fresh in their mind. Right. Because they could have gone straight from Dallas to Colorado. I mean, the game in Dallas is going to be over central time at like 2.45. What do you make of it? What I make of it is the team wanted to stay in Dallas yeah. and, not, and not have like four or five days, not four or five days, but, you know, like two and a half days to do nothing in Denver right? right. except potentially have the altitude affect them. Before they play the game. Also, the fact that Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday. Maybe they have something planned in Dallas where, you know, the team is going to get together and watch the game. I don't know. That's down the road. But your point about playing every other day, like on, on these trips, though, they do have a couple of days off.
1: Well, they maybe use that to their advantage. Yeah. But it is a lot of hockey. And it like, is oh, a lot to be fa- A lot of these teams are going to be facing the same thing. And the Lightning are a little lower in games played, Part. Partly because
0: they lost a game, right? The, the Buffalo game yeah, got rescheduled. But some teams are, like Toronto has more
1: games played than the Lightning. It's interesting. All of it. We're going to talk about it here for the next hour at Bolts Radio. He is Dave Michigan. I'm Greg Linnelli. Uh A lot to recap and some news to get to. So the Lightning come off a 3-0 homestand. Again, I don't want to be reactionary, but I'm curious for our fans out there, our listeners, uh, where do you rank that little three-game stand? Beat some pretty good teams, highlighted, of course, by the Boston Bruins, who, by the way, partner, it seems like they've stumbled a bit here Mm -hmm. after such a fantastic start. I don't think anybody's going to be concerned about that. But some good teams. The Lightning defeated. And, you know, workmanlike performance against the Kings. I think that was maybe the the sexy word that some people Mm -hmm. used to describe that game. But nonetheless, uh, three wins in a row against some very good opponents heading into... This break. Curious how people viewed those three games. I know it was on home ice, but again, the quality of opponent and the quality of play the laying put forth I thought was pretty impressive. And then, you know, you kind of factor in Rudy Balser's put on waivers. Interesting dynamic yep. there. Also, uh, Nick Perbix was as well, but we think that's more cap maybe related. And yeah, maybe he can to go, go down, down without clearing waivers. Yeah, maybe to get some games into. Who knows how that plays out. But some interesting topics to get into but uh, you know collectively when you take a look at the the last uh, 3 games I, I think all in all partner the, the lightning have to feel pretty good about uh, their performance and who they beat stampco said as much he
0: came on our broadcast post game and he did talked about how impressive this homestand was against 3 teams that at the time were in playoff position minnesota for a heartbeat there was below the second wild card, I think that they have moved back up. Tells you how tight the race in the West is. Yeah, it really does. But these three teams, you know, you mentioned are, are, you know, big, strong, heavy teams. Bruins are a very well-rounded team. But, you know, they check for sure. And the Lightning took care of business. I mean, I think the first two games had a little bit more emotion in them than the third game, and that was something that Coop was – I wouldn't go so far as to say that he was worried, but he was certainly cognizant of the possibility that the Lightning might have a letdown after the emotional win over Boston. That really didn't happen. They they kind of crossed their T's and dotted their I's. They got the early lead, which helped. And they defended quite well, I thought, against LA. That was a weird game statistically because... The Kings ended up out shooting the Lightning 28-25, and the shot attempts were almost even. But I don't think that that was an even game at all. Yeah. I mean, the Lightning had way more possession. And, you know, again, I read Eric's article, and he tracks off a website. He's not doing it. He tracked the scoring chances, and he had the Kings almost 2-1 to with high danger scoring chances. And I'm just like, I just don't agree with that. I mean the lightning with the point line maybe like at the end of the day cuz they didn't have a shot attempt to record you would say they didn't get as many scoring chances as maybe in the Los Angeles line that that actually got some shot attempts they had so many close calls though like tic tac toe plays that were just not quite finished and the kings were like turned into a pretzel i think Graydon Colburn, who did the game with me, said as much. He said, you know, Doughty is going to be exhausted after this game. He spent the whole game chasing points line around the defensive zone. So, again, sometimes the stats jive with what we see. Sometimes they don't quite jive with what they see. I think the stats in the game against the Kings didn't quite jive with what I saw, which was a fairly convincing dominant lightning performance. Certainly through the first two periods, the Kings tried to make a push in third but even when they made their push, like, they didn't generate a ton of scoring chances. And this is a team that can score. They're having trouble defending. They can score. They had a few. I mean, they had a, they had a few chances, but there weren't that many. So I give the Lightning high marks given the the situation. Last game before the break, coming off a couple of emotional wins and they took care of business. I, I actually described it as workmanlike in
1: my extra shift. So yeah, you I was should've. one of the people yeah. that, that described it. Yeah, and right. I kind of liked it that way. And, you know, it was a weird game, too, I thought, for Vassy Because, what, the the two goals he allowed, just typically those aren't going to happen. Yeah, You have one go off the stick, and then you have one... Where probably, would you say, nine and a half times out of ten,
0: <laughs> he More makes that, that save?
1: Yeah, maybe I mean, it 49 was just a, out of 50. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, it just, I, I don't know what else to say outside of that happens. and <laughs> So when we say, best.
0: we can't really remember any bad goals Vasilevsky's allowed this year. We can only remember a couple. Like, that was one of them. That was on him. Yep. But it doesn't happen very often. And it really yeah. didn't have a, a bearing on the outcome of the game. So... If you're going to have a goal
1: like that, best to have it in games like the one that we saw on Saturday. Yeah, I I just and, you know, in Coles was just the guy is trying to make a play as a defenseman. And the puck (laughs) goes in off fast. So there's not much you can do there. and It goes into the net. So I actually thought, you know, there was a lot of talk about the Kings and their numbers and how good were they really coming into that game were they more of a product of the the division they play in i i thought they were decent i thought quick was actually pretty good outside of the first period i thought there were yeah. maybe some things there that uh, he would have liked to have cleaned up he hasn't won a game but since december 1st that, now how many starts has he had the i mean he has played hasn't.
0: he hasn't played the majority of them cuz they've they've settled on phoenix coples yeah i mean he doesn't exactly have an NHL-heavy no. resume. He had one year with the Capitals. I was going to say,
1: he was with the Caps,
0: wasn't he? For, well, he was with bit. their organization, mostly in Hershey and their minor league. Was he
1: with Arizona, system. too? I'm trying to remember. I feel like he's bounced around a yeah, little bit, last,
0: Maybe the last year or two, he's bounced around a little yeah. bit. But his one year previously in the NHL, where he played somewhat significantly, was in Washington in 1819. Yeah. He was drafted by St. Louis. Interestingly, he was traded to the Capitals in the Shattenkirk deal. You're know, like Shattenkirk was traded from St. Yeah. Louis to, to Washington? Yeah, at the deadline in 2017. That's how Phoenix Copley got to Washington and most of his time with that organization, he was in the American Hockey League. But he had the one year in the NHL. But you know now the the Kings are like, we need a goaltending solution.
1: Yeah.
0: Because Cal Peterson was not getting the job done, right? So they gave Copley an opportunity. What is he, like 15 and three? So Quick has not played a lot, but it's not like he hasn't played at all. I agree with you. I thought he gave them a chance to to stay in the game and maybe get back in the game. But here's the thing, Greg. You know what that game reminded me of from the Kings' perspective? It reminded me a bit of how the Lightning looked at the end of their Western Canadian trip. I believe we mentioned this. I, I said when the Kings started their road trip, it was a week earlier. They went Nashville, Chicago, Philly, Florida, Tampa Bay, and then they finished at Carolina. So it's a six-game trip, and the Lightning were the fifth game on the trip near the end of it in the second half of a back-to-back. Right. The schedule giveth and the schedule taketh away, right? Yep. The Lightning had tough scheduling circumstances, particularly the end of the trip in Western Canada. Yep. And a 3-0 and trip turned into a 3-2 and trip. Well, the Kings had done well through the first yeah. four games. They were 3-1, and but from their perspective, I don't know if that was a scheduled loss, but that was going to be a tough game. And the Lightning made sure they didn't let the circumstantial advantage slip through their fingers. So, look, if the Kings were starting the trip, let's say, in Tampa, or maybe it was the second game, maybe we would have seen a slightly different type of game from Los Angeles. But I'm not sure that they were really
1: able to play on their toes as much as they would have liked. No, I I would agree with that. And, you know, so be it. If the Lightning take advantage of that and earn two points, you— yeah, you don't apologize. That's the
0: reality of the regular season. Yeah, it, is. it is. You've got to try and do as best you can when the other team has the advantage and then when you have the advantage, you have to absolutely like squash the
1: opposition. Yeah. Yeah, you don't uh you don't apologize for for how you got there. So I I get that. Uh, it was good to see some depth scoring uh, in that game as well. Yeah. You know, it's good to see that start to pick up, although Rudy Bolster's put on waivers. And you know, I, again, I I think I jokingly compare jamel smith and rudy bolsters from the standpoint that it seems like we give them a little bit more attention than maybe their their progress on the ice would indicate or their production on the ice would indicate for the tampa Bay lightning because they they haven't played a ton of games from what we've seen of them you know we liked but i think it's just a a situation where when you take a look at uh it was just you know who knows what's going to happen there but we just, because of injuries and circumstances, we just didn't get a chance to see enough of him. And who knows what's going to happen now. They just put on waivers.
0: Yeah, so what this says to me is, as much as we were wondering, like, how much will Balthers play when his conditioning stint is up? And where will he play? From the Lightning's perspective, whether it's about the player, whether it's about their cap situation, whether it's about who they would have to potentially get rid of or send through waivers if they brought him up the decision was made that they are they are willing to risk losing Balsers again on waivers and remember the Panthers could reclaim him and keep him up yeah if um well they, i'm sorry they could reclaim him and send him down if they wanted to if no other team claims him because they originally lost him on waivers That happened with Jamel Smith last year, actually. Remember when the Lightning lost him on waivers to Detroit and then they claimed him back, they could send him straight to the minors. So the Panthers could do that. In fact, I, I don't know why the Panthers wouldn't do that because they liked Balsers. They tried to send him down originally because they were in a cap crunch. Well, now they could claim him and send him down without having to have him clear waivers again. If no other team claims him. But the Lightning basically decided that they were willing to risk losing him rather than having to call him up and make a subsequent move.
1: That's what that says to me. Yeah. We'll never know. <laughs> we'll see what happens, you know, with yeah. how that plays out. And then we said, I think, Perbic's going down there. I think more because he can clear waivers, get some games in maybe. Or, or they just save or just on cap the salary. Issues, right? salary. Yeah. Or just cap issues, which yeah. might be the biggest which might be the biggest thing when you take a look at uh, all of that. By the way, Bobby Hall passes away. Did you see that? I did not know that. That just happened today. Oh, Steve wow. told me right before we went on the air, 84. Hmm.
0: Phil's teammate. Long time. Well, right? I shouldn't say a long time teammate of Phil's, but a very impactful teammate of Phil's. I think Phil kind of, from what it sounded like, Bobby Hall took Phil under his wing. Yes. when And Phil got to the Blackhawks. Yes.
1: When you heard him talk about Bobby Hall, you could great admiration for the guy. Mm-hmm. Plus the fact that, you know, he'd come down and fire that big old slap shot yeah. right at
0: the goaltender's head. Well, look, you think about those great Chicago teams and they only won one cup during the time that that I'm thinking of, which predated Phil. And it predated Phil's brother too. But the yeah. three Hawks that I'm thinking of are Bobby Hall, Stan Makita, and Tony Esposito, and they've all passed away now. Yeah within the last few years. I mean, Tony Esposito
1: and Bobby Hall more recently. Right. So that one's tough, for sure. And you talk yeah. about legends of the game. I mean, everybody knows in the hockey circles who Bobby and Brett Hall Yeah, Let's face it. So, you know, thinking about Phil for that situation, no doubt, because I'm sure he's, you know, you don't like to see that at all. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you certainly can do just that. Uh, but what did you make of the game against the Kings? What did you make of the three-game ro- or home trip here at Homestand where the Lightning win three in a row and beat some pretty good teams uh, in the middle of all of that and then now have a, a decent break? And, you know, we'll see how that, that plays out. Anything else you wanted to add, partner, with uh, that game against the Kings in terms of, you know, what the Lightning did, didn't do, and, and mm-hmm. how they came about it?
0: Well, I have a couple of things. First of all, you mentioned depth scoring. The Lightning got depth scoring during this Homestand. I mean, some of it was on the second power play unit, but I'll count that as depth scoring. That was in the first game against Minnesota, but the Belmar line accounted for two goals, five on five. Yeah, they did. Both in the first period, and the Paul Colton Maroon line scored in the second period. That was really good to see. Corey Perry's now up to nine goals. He had three goals during the homestand. And the other thing I want to mention, speaking of sad news, we didn't even know, but... Pierre Edward Belmar's mom passed away. Yeah, that's right. A few days earlier yeah. during the homestand. So he was very emotional at the end of his his session with the media, because he mentioned it. So it had to be very difficult for him to play while all of this was happening. But he scored a goal. He did.
1: That's <laughs> You know, we don't know the the human element of all of this, too. And I, I think this is probably why these guys get paid a lot of money, because mentally they're pretty strong. But, you know, for Belmar, I think playing with that, thats I, I think you you probably gain a little bit more admiration for somebody like that going through what he did. And, mm-hmm. you know, good for him, too. It's been a tough year, I think, in general. Not, not to say that you're expecting him to score a ton of goals, but I, I think... You know, there is room for him to improve. And I think when you're always looking at Belmar in that fourth line, it's it's winning some face-offs, it's being hard to play against defensively, and it's keeping the puck in the other team's own zone if you can. And then, of course, yeah. not getting scored on. You know, and I, I think it's been a little bit of a challenge. I think some of that, too, has just been finding the right combinations with everybody. You know, I think Vlad Nameskov's up-and-down season, has that had a trickle-down effect when it's come to the bottom six? You know, Sorelli not being in the lineup for an extended period of time, and then finding his his role on whatever line he's going to center, and then who's going to play with him. And we have seen guys like Maroon sometimes take that shift. And what does that mean? Of course, Balser's coming in. So I think I think part of the lack of consistencies, if you want to go that route with the third and fourth lines, might just be circumstances too. Mm-hmm. Guys have been out of the lineup. Guys have been slumping. And when you do that, I think you you end up mixing things up. It's good to see Ross Colton I I think start to maybe fill in the net a little bit because I think he's a a big part you know we talk about players Dave on the third and fourth lines however you want to describe them and who is on those lines. I think Ross Colton is a big part of how the secondary scoring will end up because I think there is there is opportunity ability there for him to make a difference offensively and maybe he's starting to turn that corner but that's a positive sign I think. I thought he had three
0: really good games during the homestand. And he chipped in some some goals and assists as well. But he had some giddy-up to his game, and when he is skating the way that he skated during the three-game homestand, good things are going to happen for him. So hopefully he can keep it going on the
1: other side of the break. Yeah, that's what you want to see. And he's got the shot. I think he's got some grittiness to his game, and I think those are things that you want to continue to see happen, and uh, hopefully that does. Corey Perry starting to maybe find the net a little bit more, as we said, whether it's whether it's on the power play or whether it's just going to the front of the net, maybe getting some of those bounces. When Corey Perry's at his best, he's right around the net, and he's got mm-hmm. the hands still, I think, to finish things off. I think uh, give credit to Purbix for what he was able to do, partner, in uh, the game against the Kings, picking up three assists. But again, I think the play he made to Belmar... And this, this can be secondary scoring, too, because you don't necessarily think of Perbix as somebody who's going to generate a ton of offense. But his ability to pinch down the right wall, kick that puck to his skate, and then to his his stick, and then find Belmar. I, was that, I mean, that's a play where you look at and you say, okay, there's, there's some high hockey IQ there. The instincts were right. Because as we were talking about with Kobe, that's a tough pinch. Because a lot of times defensemen particularly if they're more of a shot blocker, that puck, if you try and do that, may explode off your skate. Mm-hmm. And maybe the other team goes the other way. So it was a calculated gamble. But you could see, I think, kind of everything in his package a bit. Instincts, soft hands, good offensive instincts. Yeah, And he made a play. He did that with Perry, too.
0: Yeah. Well, the, the, the pass to Belmar, which is the play that started with him pinching and holding it in with his skate was a really like of the three I think that that was probably the most impressive in that he he showed off a lot of different skills like the decision to pinch the ability to, to hold the puck in like you mentioned and then understanding that the Kings players were kind of flooding to him which left the middle of the ice open and he put the pass right on Belmar's stick right but the other two assists he had were not you know, nothing either. I mean, those plays weren't unimpressive because on both he had the puck at the point, he got it to the net he quickly. Did. Yep. And there were a light there was a lightning player in both instances there was a lightning player standing there unguarded, basically. Perry and then Colton. So really good stuff from Nick Purbix. Yep. I think you had said that maybe you felt he was scuffling a little bit. He'd come back from that injury. I did. I felt he didn't previously. have his best
1: games against Minnesota and Boston, but he rebounded in a big way on Saturday. Yeah, I, I thought he I thought he was a lot better. And, and I, think, I think Steve was the one that mentioned that to me, where he's like, maybe he's just kind of shaking off the rust. And I, I think I would give him the benefit of the doubt on something like that because he looked really good. Uh, against the Kings at Bolts mm-hmm. Radio. If you want to get involved in the conversation, you can. Basil says, I got something right, sort of. After Vassy let in that weak goal against the Kings, I posted that the Kings would not get another one past them all night. I was correct that the Kings did <laughs> but I failed to account for Ian Cole. Great week of hockey. Look, if you're a Lightning fan, you went to all
0: three games, or even if you didn't go to all three games, you just paid attention to all three games, this is a very good week three quality victories. Yeah. Over three teams that very well may be in the playoffs. I mean, the Bruins are going to be in the playoffs, no doubt. The Kings actually came in, what a weird division that Pacific Division is. They came in in first place in the Pacific Division, but they were only like 5 points up on the second wild
1: card. And what was their goal differential, right? It was like minus, minus- 9, so now it's what, <laughs> minus 12? Right. That's weird. It that probably goes to show you there's some other circumstances at play there yeah yeah and even copley
0: who's given the better goaltending he has a terrific one loss record but his other numbers are just
1: meh kind of yeah and you wonder if at some point that that goaltending is going to let them down a little bit because you can only win like they're winning for so long unless the division continues to be mediocre i mean i guess that's Mm. the saving grace you know if if your goaltending is struggling but you find yourself in first place, even with a minus 12 goal differential, what do you think the other teams below you in the standings are dealing with? It's just something to think about. Right. Well, maybe, that type maybe those of, other teams can't score as well as the Kings. Well, that, that, could be, that could be true. It's just, I think it's such a prominent position. I mean, you gave the numbers about quick. But just collectively, I don't know if that goaltending can hold up for a whole year. Now, maybe mm-hmm. it gets you in the playoffs. Maybe it does. I don't know. But, like, would you be surprised if the Kings didn't make the playoffs either? I don't know. Probably I would not. Be su-
0: I mean, I wouldn't be surprised because it's very competitive. I think if you were to ask me, like, in the Pacific, which teams do you think will finish 1, 2, and 3 at the start of the year? In no particular order, I would have said Edmonton, Calgary, and Vegas. Edmonton and Calgary were playoff teams last year. I know Calgary had pretty significant roster turnover. Right. But the fundamentals of their team are still there, and they're very well coached. And they were a first-place team last year. And Vegas, I had to believe that last year was an outlier year, right? And they have a very good head coach they just brought in. And they've been in first place for most of the year. Right. But nobody saw Seattle coming out of nowhere, right? Right. And the Kings did make the playoffs last year. So I'm not shocked that they're in playoff position. I would not be shocked if they missed the playoffs, though,
1: either. You know, it's interesting, though. And that's five
0: Alts. teams right there. So, yeah, I no, mean, you're right.
1: Well, and, and here's the thing Los Angeles has played 52 games, Seattle's at 49, mm-hmm. Edmonton's at 50, Calgary's at 50. I mean, these are I think teams the Kings
0: that- have played a lot of road games, though, haven't they? Do you have the home road breakdown there?
1: Yeah, they're fourteen nine and two at home. Fourteen nine and four. Away. All right, so I was wrong about
0: that. They usually have a really heavy backloaded home schedule, but I guess that's yeah. not the
1: case this year. Well, we'll year. see. They're they're just they're running. They're running into at least right now potentially, and it's only a couple of games. But you know, against Seattle's in first place, they've got three games. Um, three less games they've played. Yeah, than the Kings. You know, got to so. win them. Yeah, you but- do. You do. Yeah. You do, for sure. And then, of course, you take a look at the Atlantic right now. Boston, I don't want to call them slumping, but I guess by their standards, they, they are a little bit here. They're 6-3-1 and in their last 10. They're still at 81 points through 50 games. But look at, look at the lighting. 48 games played, 65 points. Mm-hmm. Not only are they within striking distance against Toronto, who's played three more games at 70 points, but look at the separation between now Tampa Bay and Buffalo. 65 and 56. Yeah. The Buffaloes played one more game.
0: Well, Buffalo has been hot. They won five in a row until they yeah. lost in a shootout in Minnesota, and they got a point out of it. But they are right there in the wild card race.
1: Florida's in trouble. Yeah, I, mean, I, know, I know you and, and, and I, we talked about that. And they pulled that. a
0: rabbit out of the hat the other night. Yeah. Scored with just over a second to go, and then won in overtime.
1: I mean, they've already played 52 games
0: yeah and the problem is going to be right now they would have to leapfrog three teams to just get into the second wild card i don't know that's going they're tough. looking at yeah, it we have 30 games left and let's go on a run right and they do have a lot of home they are a team that has a lot of home games left they played 29 road games and just 23 at home but just cuz you're playing at home doesn't mean you're automatically going to win at home and they just lost to the kings the night before the kings and the lightning played in sunrise. Yeah. So look, they're in better position than Montreal, but you're right. They're going to have to they're going to have to get pretty hot and have some teams ahead of them hit a rough patch.
1: No doubt. I mean, it's Let's put it this way: not that we were concerned, but the Lightning have put themselves in a nice position. Right? Oh yeah, to feel really good about certainly being one of the top three teams in the Atlantic and and kind of where they fall. We'll see. They already
0: right. hit their playoff pace for this ten game segment. They have two games left. Yeah, and they've gone six and two,
1: so they've already gotten their twelve points. And what's their first game back right from the break is against Florida. Yeah. So Florida be home San Jose. Yeah, listen, that that'll get the juices flowing right away. Mm-hmm. I mean, regardless of where, you know, Florida is. I mean, that, that's a game that the Panthers are going to try and do everything they can to win, and then you add the the rivalry factor. So that that actually isn't a terrible game to come back from the break. You would think so, yeah. I'm reading into that, but that's right. probably how you I would, would think would it would be a good game to come back to you would in think.
0: terms of the Yes uh, uh, organic emotion. Exactly. That we're going to have in that game. San Jose has been a weird team. They've given some teams, like they're not a very good team record-wise, and they've been blown out in some games. They just be But Pittsburgh. they've had other games. That's what I'm saying. They've had other yeah. games where they've been really competitive. San Jose almost won in Carolina. Carolina, I think they scored two sixth attacker goals and then won in overtime because they gave up an empty netter. So they were down one, then they went down two, and then they scored two extra attacker goals Got the game tied and won an overtime. You're like San Jose did that in Carolina, and then they yeah. went to Pittsburgh and beat the Penguins.
1: By the way, looking at records home and away, did you New Jersey's 193 and 2? Yeah, we away. were talking I about that. I know we were that. talking about that, but that just kind of hits you. Like, yeah. Wow, I'm looking at some amazing. of these teams that are fighting for playoff spots. And I always like to see the the home and the away and how different that is. Look, there's been a lot of talk about the Lightning home and away this year. Lightning are 20, yep. four. And one on home ice. They're 12 and 11 away. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. Yeah. But you got Boston. Well, look, their home record.
0: Their home record has really
1: helped them. Oh, stay out of the, huge. the muck. It's for been the huge. wild card. But what do they always, they, pundits, you know, take care of your business on home ice or home field, go 500 on the road?
0: Well, look, I think that, that's not a bad strategy, but the NHL is a little different because of the bonus points. Yeah, with the overtime shootout losses, and sometimes that's not good enough. Then no, it's not. And there are it's some a, there's teams that, that are that are just okay at home, but phenomenal on the road, like New Jersey.
1: Yeah, that's incredible. Seattle. Yeah, you're right about that. And it, I don't know what to make of that outside of just it's a it's a phenomenal record, and mm-hmm. you would think being on home ice, you know, you don't uh, you don't know what was the question we asked Kobe during the game. I felt like it was it was one of those questions. I don't know if it was if it was a situational play, if it was the struggles at times the Lightning have had in the second period. I forget what it was. But it was it was interesting asking a player whatever the, the specific question it was because he didn't really have an answer for it. And it, it, it's always interesting because the way we analyze things and the way we break down things sometimes is different than a player's point of view. But then there are times when you ask a player about, hey, why does this happen? Or, you know, uh, if a broken stick occurs – uh, do you go to the bench right away to get that stick on the PK or do you mm-hmm. just play shorthanded? And a lot of times if you listen to the players, it's situational. Th- there's nothing really set. And I, I'm going to have to go back and listen to the tape. Which yeah. I don't know. what you're do. I don't remember what he I'm said. trying to think of, of scenario. It was, I think it was during the second period. And, um, It'll, it'll come to me. It'll come to me by the end of the game. But it was it was surprising hearing his comment because it was one of those where he really didn't have an answer. He's like, "Yeah, it's, you know, it, this is the kind uh, this is the way it kind of happened and there's no really rhyme or reason." But uh, it'll come to me. When it does, I'll I'll bring it up at Bulls Radio. Yeah, if you want to get involved no, I'm in curious the conversation. What it was, so. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and listen to it. Um Jay says Pat Maroon dropped a couple munch points during his interview with Gabby Shirley on the post game.
0: <laughs> I did not hear that interview cuz we were doing an really? interview. Well, didn't you say
1: that, that
0: successful teams tend to have like the the players repeat what you hear from they emulate the coach, the coach. Which means yeah. the message is getting through.
1: Yeah.
0: I love it. Or or we are setting the trend. Are you surprised there hasn't <laughs> been a shirt we have made we have made so much of the munching points. Coop has been saying that as long as I can remember. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean full credit to him. We've just yeah. kind of I think amplified it mm-hmm. a bit more. It's like Pac-Man, right? <laughs> are you are you surprised that hasn't become a shirt? We're the Tampa Bay Lightning and we just munch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on. That's that's just the way it has to be. But yes, I, I did not hear that, but yeah, if that would have happened on my watch, I would have laughed. There's no joke. I would have, I would have had a little chuckle with that. Uh, let's see here. This question, as I'm scrolling through my timeline, said, guys, do you think and is it realistic for the Lightning to trade for someone with the cap issues that they have? How clever will they have to get?
0: Well, it's going to have to be dollars in, dollars out. Somebody making the league minimum, they cannot fit under the cap. Just adding the player. Yeah. Now, like what they did with David Savard, they had some of the other teams involved in the trade take on some of that money. But they had to pay a premium for that in the way of draft
1: picks. They did. They did. That's but why Julian
0: Breezebaugh said, "If we're going to make a deal, it's going to be like a Nick Paul type deal, where they acquired Paul for Matthew Joseph, and there was
1: a draft pick in there too." But that's why I keep saying, "I think dollars you, in, dollars out." There is going to have to. I mean, you, you, you can with the assets that you do have in terms of draft picks, but they are running out of draft capital, yeah, so to speak. Or the other thing you could do is send a player down,
0: which is another way to get the dollars out. That is correct.
1: My my point of contention has always been. If they're going to make a move, it's going to be a player off of their roster, which may go in line with what you've said, dollar Mm -hmm. in, dollar out. You know, you can kind of speculate where we would go with something like that. But I I do think we are looking at more of role players who fit the third or fourth line. And Mm -hmm. I think you would be parting ways with somebody who is on the depth side of things here for Tampa Bay. Right. I do. Well, I just look, think that's where you
0: feel that way. I do feel that way. It's, it's, it's going to have to be that way. I mean, they're not going to be able to fit the, make the money work yeah. unless they remove salary from the existing NHL roster. But it can be in the way of sending a player to the minors, as I said. Although the only guy they have who's waiver exempt right now is Nick Yeah. So that player would have to go through waivers. Because Purbix is not going down. They're not going to be deleting Nick Purbix from their NHL roster (laughs) to move him to the minors so they can add a player at the deadline. Right. So it would have to be some other player if that player is not going back to the team in a
1: one-for-one situation. Right. John says, have any of the players in the bottom six become – What's how's he phrasing it here? I'm trying to read through it. Uh, non-tradable with their play recently. Well, I don't. I don't think a guy like Corey Perry's going to go. I, I. I think most of those guys in the bottom six, not named, you know, Sorelli. Uh, Sorelli's who's not even the bottom six. Nick Paul. Nick Paul. Would now be you know, isn't is untouchable yeah. at that point. But, yeah. you know, I, I think you could make a case for every one of them if you were to make a move. I just, one, you've got to have somebody else out there who wants who wants to make that deal. And I think we've seen signs that these guys are starting to break out. You know, like Ross Colton isn't somebody that I would, you know, look to move because of his age and, and his upside. Yeah, that's the thing. So when you talk about an untouchable,
0: you're really talking about somebody that you've you've built your future, if not around, Correct. then including. Yes. And Paul just signed... A huge seven year deal, right? Was it seven or eight? but it was a long deal anyway, yeah. so he's not going anywhere. Colton is young, I mean he's not twenty two but he's twenty six, and I mean, I think a player like that, unless you decide that player is no longer part of your future, like Joseph, they wanted Nick Paul, but they were willing to say goodbye to Joseph. That's the situation where a younger player might get moved. I think it is a stronger likelihood that an older player would get moved. And the Lightning have some older players, and two of them, Perry and Belmar, are on expiring contracts after this year. Right. But you may not want to do that. Like, there's a reason you have them on your team. You brought them in. They've been part of this thing for the last year and a half plus. They were part of your run to the Stanley Cup final last year. But the, the fan asked, untouchable. Are Belmar and Perry untouchable or untradeable? I yeah, wouldn't say that. Point. I mean, I think that it's possible. I don't know how likely it is, but I think it's possible. I would say it's unlikely, actually. But the I, the one yeah. guy I would say of the bottom six is comprised right now that is untradeable is Nick Paul. They are not trading Nick Paul. No. If they traded one of the other players, would you and I come on the show the next day and say, I just cannot believe that they did that? I mean, some might be more surprising than others. Yeah, I would be
1: surprised if somebody like a Ross Colton was dealt. Just I would of... be too, yeah. But and it, you but say
0: he's untradeable?
1: No, but, but the interesting thing about Colton, and he's probably the guy in the bottom six, when you talk about assets, that probably could get you a little bit more than somebody else because of his age right. and his production. But the Lightning also are in a position where I think you... You need the guys in that 23 to 25 range who you've developed a little bit that basically take the place of lack of draft picks that you've parted ways with before. And so somebody like Colton, Mm -hmm. I think, becomes a little bit more valuable because of where you got him in the draft, the lack of draft picks that you do have, and because of his production. You know, that bottom six, a big part of what they can do is because of a player like Colton who can at times drive play. You know, you get rid of somebody like that. Again, this is a hypothetical. Who are you replacing him with? You would have to have somebody of similar capabilities coming back.
0: The other part of this, too, is what is the rest of the year going to look like? Now, in the playoffs, you can expand your roster. But I guess I would be a little surprised if the Lightning were adding a forward, let's say, if they got rid of a forward. I mean, it's really amazing to think about, Greg, that almost exclusively this year, or entirely, the Lightning have had a roster with only 12 forwards. Like, we started the year, and the Lightning had, what, nine defensemen, right? Yeah. Well, nine when Bogosian came back. Eight, and then nine, and then they made the move with Phil Myers. And we were like, this is not sustainable. How can they sustain this? both in terms of having the extra D not playing and then having only 12 forwards. But they've been able to navigate through nearly 50 games doing it this way. The only time the Lightning had 13 forwards was that brief stretch when they had Kepke and Balsers. Right? Yeah. Then Balsers got hurt, and they were back to twelve. And then Sorelli was activated, and they sent Kepke down, and they've been back at 12. By the way. But, but what I'm saying is, like, yeah. if you add a forward, do you really see them getting rid of a forward? So you're still at 12? Is I, this, is I just this... don't know. I, I, don't, I don't really see that, but I was, I was not expecting that they would basically be going
1: the whole year with a lineup of 12 forwards. By the way. Yeah, sorry, mentioned... I broke it. No, mind. no, not at all. I I almost forgot about Cole Kepke. Is that bad of me? (laughs) I feel like you know, we talk about forwards, partner. I mean, eventually is he coming back, right? Well he might for the playoffs. I mean You know, what was the injury? When you
0: could expand when you can expand for the for the playoffs, you don't have to worry about the
1: salary cap, then you can do that. I just I I I completely forgot about him. But he's you know, he's another one of those guys that they you know, when you talk about the bottom six, and I, I think he was getting better. You know, he started to maybe show a bit more offensively, but I, I think that was a case where he was just he needed to get used to the NHL game, mm-hmm. get his feet wet. But I think, I mean, I, I don't, it was so long ago; it feels like right, I maybe mean, a couple months ago.
0: Yeah, I don't have the date exactly when he was sent down, but it coincided with Sorelli's return.
1: It did. It did. So he's another guy to keep an eye on at Bolts Radio. Uh, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you can. This one comes from Nick. He says, "Guys, what will the players do with this long layoff?" Well, that was something that we could
0: ask Kobe about. He he yeah. kind of talked about it. He said, "You know, you want to you don't just want to like put your feet up on the sofa or on the ottoman or whatever whatever you're you're doing in your in your living room or your den or however you want to relax and let off steam." I think they are going to stay active. It may not be on the ice every day, but the players know how to take care of themselves. It's way different than like we were talking about Phil and, and Bobby Hull. Like their day was right. very, very different. If you had nine days off, you may not get up out of the the easy chair for nine days. I don't know. Today's player is different. Today's player is really focused on keeping himself fit and ready to go. But it's not so much your um, like you're gonna get out of shape. It's really game shape. It's timing. That's that's yeah. where you can be affected.
1: I, you're right, and I I think I think for a lot of those guys, you know, they may even go away for a couple of days. I remember, she sure. saying, you know, the guys up north would come down south and get away, you know, for, yeah, for a little bit. But I I think. It makes sense. I mean, look, it's nice being in Florida where some of those guys don't have to go too far. But we've seen players, you know, they'll go to Mexico or they'll, you know, yeah, a few days. You know, you may do that all-inclusive and just kind of decompress a little bit with the family uh, if it lines up with kids' school and, and things like that. That's the other thing. Kids have school, you know. I mean, it's – depending on how you want to you wanna play that, um, you know, certainly there are ways to do it. But I, I think for most of those guys, they'll be – They'll be relaxing, staying in shape, of course. You know, it's funny. That kind of goes without saying it with today's athlete. I, do you really have to worry about many of them getting out of shape? You know, I mean, they're going to be doing something. It happens, but it happens very rarely. Yeah. It's almost surprising.
0: and usually hear it kind of anecdotally, like, yeah, this guy came in 15 pounds
1: heavy. That's surprising now. Yep. It's a good point. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you certainly can do just that. I'm not that. suggesting any player is
0: going to gain 15 pounds in nine days. I'm talking about more off-season coming in for training camp.
1: When you hear those stories, yes. Uh, this question comes from Dale. Wants to know, guys, what do you make of uh, Brian Elliott's, and when do you think his next start will be? Back to back.
0: Probably Vasi at Florida.
1: Were there some people surprised he didn't get the Kings? Elliot
0: against San Jose. I'm not
1: surprised. I wasn't surprised I mean, at all.
0: Vasilevsky is going to have a long layoff now. He's going to the All Star game. Yeah, but if it's not going to stress Vasilevsky, he plays. I think. And they they basically say to Elliot, you know, hang hey in there, keep yourself ready. There have been some stretches where he's had to go, you know, five games or so in a row without playing tends to be more of a condensed schedule when that happens or maybe not a condensed i mean it it all depends i guess so the lightning had the one back-to-back with the vancouver edmonton so elliot got the one game in there but when the schedule is more spread out and you're basically playing every other day, Vasilevsky tends to to start.
1: By the way, Brian Alley, guest on this week's Block Party podcast. Oh, cool! Dropped this morning. Yeah, how about that? It's tough being a backup, but I think if you're going to have one in the Lightning situation, a veteran mm-hmm. is. He's the way done to go. very well handling. Yeah.
0: The not playing games
1: frequently yeah. or regularly, he's been he's been so solid, and uh, you know that's kind of where we are. Uh, Jim says, guys, any surprises during the team's first 48 games as we get into the All-Star break with players? Surprises. Well, Perbix would be right up there, right? Perbix I mean, was not, from the start of the year, yes. yeah. Like right getting into training
0: camp. What questions have been answered? Perbix has, I mean, it's not a question to be answered, but Perbix has filled a hole. Brandon Hagel has filled a hole. Now, he's been playing more with Sorelli and Kalorn. And even in the Kings game, I'm not sure that was as much of a matchup situation, although they saw the Kopitar line in the Kings game. And we'll see if that continues on the other side of the All-Star break or if Hagel's going to go back to the line with Point and Kucherov. I would say that... You want to say that they haven't defended as well? Or it's more been a reflection of their stats aren't really in line with how they're playing. What I'm saying is, the Lightning's goals against has crept up a little bit from previous years. And we mentioned like Vasilevsky's numbers; his win loss record is very very good, but you know his goals against and save percentage not quite where it's been. The Lightning have been a little leaky at points. I shouldn't. I'm not going to say they've been leaky. Their their goals allowed per game number is higher. Why is that? I think at points, at the start of the year, they were leaky. I think there have been some weird games, though, too, where maybe they're giving up an extra goal because of something funky happening. They've not done as well in some of their tough scheduling segments, maybe as they did in past years. So should we say that that's surprising? Maybe that's an area they want to tighten down the stretch here in the final... 30-plus games, but I don't think they're defending poorly. I guess that's the distinction I'm making. I think they're defending pretty well. I don't think the numbers reflect that. That, to me, is a little surprising.
1: Yeah, I think... individually I'll, I'll just I'll go a little bit different I mean we talked mm-hmm. about the the bottom six I think that's been a, a little surprising I think Hedman's play for me has been a, a little surprising you're talking year. about bottom six you were expecting more offense. a little bit more a mm-hmm. little bit more a little bit more you know understanding that the big guys are, are the ones that get paid a lot of money but I think where this team has been efficient over the years has been their depth scoring and I think it's been hit or miss a little bit more than I thought uh, so far and I I do think and it, it's it's encouraging to see him start to score here a little bit more. I think Victor Hedman has yes. a lot a lot left. Let's put it that way. I do.
0: He He's had two goals before the Boston game. Yeah. And one of them was an empty netter in Seattle. Right. He'd gotten
1: a lot of points and now he doubled his goal output in the last yeah. two. Yeah, don't discount that, not that you are. I, yeah. I think that's a big deal. And you know, we'll see how it uh how it plays out moving forward, but you know those are some general thoughts with the lightning, and we'll see how it plays uh, when they get back. Now we have a show tomorrow, correct? Yeah. Moon to one, we're efforting to get a guest. We'll see who we. And then made. we're gonna put our feet up. Yeah.
0: I'm not gonna go to week. Cancun. I'm not putting my feet up. I have a huge. What are you list. gonna do? I have a huge list. What is it? You know, on your phone, there's the notes section. Do you do that? Do I you use, use the that? notes. I use really? the notes section from for like. Honey-do lists. <laughs> Do you have a lot? I have a, I have a pretty big list. Okay. I actually knocked out a couple today. Already. Did you? Yeah. All right. I was I was fairly productive this morning. I got a few more this afternoon, too. Yeah.
1: Well, you know what? We'll sign off, and you can get right <laughs> to while. it. Well, no. We don't need to <laughs> sign off. We don't need to sign
0: <laughs> off a minute early. We can go oh, right to one it. o'clock. You know, so, so that will occupy my time. But I'd rather be busy than... Be not busy, right? Sure. Why wouldn't you, right? That makes a lot of a lot more
1: sense. Yeah. How about you? What a Yeah. What a, you've got kid duty? Or... Yeah, there would be kid duties, mother duties, just a lot of a lot of duties. Meaning you are the mother or you're taking care of the mother? Maybe all <laughs> or you're everybody. You're taking care of your own mother. <laughs> Maybe everybody. Your folks either. were in town. Are they still in town? They were. No, they left. They Okay. Left. Yeah, they left uh, last week, so Kind of where we are, partner. You know, yeah. Has the chill left Pittsburgh? Is that's it starting to warm up there? It is starting to warm up. Yeah, it is starting to warm up. Yeah. It's starting to warm up here. Is that If that's what you're implying too. Well, Florida. that too. But to
0: I, I wouldn't know if your parents were kind of like, we're getting out of the sleet and the ice for a few weeks. We're going to come to Florida. Yeah. That's exactly Although what it was. It early, was cold February, when they came down. early February in Western Pennsylvania is not for the faint of heart. No. If memory serves. No, it's tough. That can be tough. That can be tough.
1: All right. Well, we'll be back at it tomorrow. We'll have yeah. some more topics to uh, break down. want to thank everybody who listened to us. We appreciate it. Hit us up on Twitter, at Radio. Thanks to Steve Versnick for producing. Partner, great job as always. We'll do it again tomorrow, noon to one. You can listen to it right here on Lightning Radio.